There are false shepherds today in the flock. He's rebuking the Pharisees, and uh, they were listening to him. But at the same time, he's warning his followers, uh, don't be an idiot. There are false shepherds all around. There are false teachers all around. And when you study which truth is emphasized more than any other in the Bible, the warning against false teachers is number one, against false teachers. Uh, the, 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 uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Listen to me this morning. Satan never wants to build up. He always wants to tear down. The devil this morning is, is trying to tear your family down. He's trying to tear this church down. He's trying to tear you down individually. It is never his aim to build anybody up. It is always his aim to tear people down. We need to understand, he said, thieves and robbers. Now, they're different. A thief will steal from you when you're not at home. He'll do it behind your back. That's a thief. But a robber, he'll come right and confront you. He'll say, stick your hands up. I'm going to rob you right now. And Jesus said, these thieves and robbers here, uh, they're more aggressive. They hold you up. And in both cases, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. Now, what do we do to fight that? Number one, we need to be grounded in the Word of God. We're too ignorant. We've lived too long, and we've been on the cruise ship so long uh, that we need to get a hold of ourselves. We need to get in the Word of God. If all you're getting is what you get on Sunday morning or Sunday night in a church, let me tell you, you're malnourished and you're starving to death. You need to get in the Word of God. It ought to be a daily thing for each one of us to be in the Word of God. That's where the doctrine comes from. That's where, let me tell you, these uh, false teachers, they don't wear a blinking sign saying, I'm a false teacher. It's not there. Then the second thing is, as pastors, we've got to warn our flocks about false teachers. That's not a fun job. Uh, I used to think when I first went into the ministry that if people, if I would just preach the word of God and be straight with people, they'd love it. They only love it as long as it doesn't pertain to them. When it pertains to them, suddenly they don't like it anymore. Jesus called out. He said in Matthew 23, he pronounced woe after woe on the scribes and the Pharisees. Continually he called them hypocrites. Paul and John pointed out false teachers in 1 and 2 Timothy and 3 John. He called them by name. He called them by name. I had a mentor when I was younger. I used to follow around. I'd go to anything, you know. I'd, Robert Tilton throwing a conference, I'd run down there to see him. Or Benny Hinn, you know. And I had this philosophy that you just take it in and you chew it up and you spit some of it out and some of it you keep. And I had an old mentor preacher ask me one day, Charles, how many false teachings does a false teacher have to teach before he's a false teacher? Only one. That's why we've got to be grounded in the Word of God. Listen to me. Some of y'all are watching these people on television. You need to turn that thing off. It'd be better off if you'd watch Andy Griffin. I ain't lying to you. 
You see, there's always enough truth in what they're saying, but they're false. And we've got to be, a care, we've got to be careful with that. And then he tells us that the true shepherd entered by the door in verse 2. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The Greek construction there is, is the shepherd of the sheep. He was referring to himself. Listen, you may have a pastor, but I want to tell you, your pastor's got a shepherd above him. And we've got to follow the good shepherd, whatever he says do. You've got to have a picture. I've never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. Every time I went to Israel, I said, please, schedule. I don't care. Cancel anything else. I've seen enough, you know, I've, I've seen enough of the empty tombs and I've seen enough of all that stuff. It's all commercialized. You know, you can buy a rock that, that Goliath used right there. To, it's a certain rock that he used. And right over here in this Sea of Galilee is where that fish was found right there with the money in it right there. And I'm thinking, you know, you don't know that. In fact, the first time I went to Israel, I was disgusted. I was just burnt out. And about that fourth day or fifth day, we were at the Sea of Galilee. I got up early that morning. And I thought to myself, dear Lord, ain't nobody moved this sea. He walked right here. Ain't, ain't nobody moved this sea. Whoo, I had a spell. But I want to see this. That They say, and I've seen it on video where it happens, but I've never seen it in person. You, you, you would come in and there'd be a big corral. There'd only be one way in. And everybody who would stay the night would bring their sheep and they would put them in that corral. I mean, there may be 15 different guys' sheep in there, 150, 200 sheep. They don't have no name tag. They ain't checked nobody in. They ain't put no bracelet on nobody. How do you know which sheep is which sheep? There's nobody branded them or nothing. But they go in there, and that shepherd raises his voice, and all of his sheep follow him. Wow. That's what we need to be doing with Jesus. <laughs> we, we need to be following his voice. That's why <laughs> he said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door. Listen to me. There's only one door into the sheepfold. There's only one door into the kingdom of God. There's only one way to enter heaven, just one. He said, I am the way. I'm not a way. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm not part of a truth or I'm not some of the truth. I am the truth. And he said, I am the life. I'm not some life. There's not two or three ways to get in. There's only one life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going to get to heaven this morning, you're going to come by way of the cross or you're not going to get there. It's his way or no way. The ark. How many doors were in the ark? One. The ark was a type of Christ. When he destroyed the whole world, there's one door in the ark. I don't understand. The elephant went in and the mosquito went in the same door. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Would that God, that mosquito could have got left out. <laughs> My soul. They all went in the, listen to me this morning. You may think you're educated way above your means. It doesn't matter whether you're educated or whether you're ignorant. There's one door into heaven. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. There's one door into heaven. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or green or yellow or brown. or They'll come up with a purple too before it's over with. None of that makes any difference. You're going to go through one door or you're not going. You're not going. 
Well, there's no eternal life outside of Jesus Christ. In his amazing uh, little book, Science Speaks, uh, a math professor, Peter Stoner, he takes eight, eight of the Old Testament prophecies, eight. And he said the fact that, that one of those prophecies could come true, but he said these are eight prophecies. It would be like putting two feet worth of silver dollars in the entire state of Texas. And then you would take one of those silver dollars and you would mark it. And you would mix it up in all of those other silver dollars. And you would take a guy in the middle of the state and put a blindfold on him and he would walk right to that coin that you marked somewhere in two feet of silver dollars all over the state of Texas. He would walk to that coin and pick it up. The likelihood of eight prophecies happening is him doing that. But I want to tell you, folks, we hadn't had eight fulfilled. We've had over 300 fulfilled. We're talking about the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me give you the second thing here quickly. He giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 11, he said, I got the power to lay it down. I lay down my life for my sheep. Does that mean that it was a suicide? No, it doesn't mean it was a suicide. It means that Jesus could have withdrawn. Aren't you glad this morning our Savior didn't quit on the way up? He went all the way to Calvary. He went all the way to the tomb. He went all the way to the resurrection. He went all the way to the ascension. And he's coming all the way back to get us one of these days. That prophecy is going to be fulfilled. He giveth his life for his sheep. You remember when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter, I think he's sincere. He said, Lord, they're not going to take you. And he whooped out his sword. He swung. I think he was going for his neck. And the old boy ducked and he got his ear. You remember what Jesus told him? He, first thing he did is pick up his ear. That ought to, good Lord have mercy. If somebody cut off your ear and somebody picked it up and put it back on and you were all right, wouldn't you do a little spell? I mean, that ought to have been enough to get him right there. But he picks the ear up, he puts it back on and says, Peter, this is not what we're doing. We're, we're, we're not. Says, Peter, put your sword up. He said, Peter, I could have called 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000 angels, 6,000 in a legion. I could have called 72,000 angels if I'd have had a mind to. One angel in Isaiah over the army of Sennacherib, he passed by, and the next morning there were 185,000 Assyrian troops dead. That's one angel. Can you imagine with me what 72,000 angels could do? Jesus said, I, hey, they're not taking my life from me. I'm laying it down. I've decided to do this. I love to hear Dr. W.A. Criswell preach. You can go online, get all my sermons there. I get them all from him. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But he has great sermons. They're all free online. And uh, he was telling a story. I was listening to it this week of World War I, uh, World War II. He was in Muskogee, Muscog Oklahoma, and the church at First Baptist Dallas called him in the middle of that war. And he came to Dallas. He said, I preached many funerals of, of kids 17, 18, 19 years old. He said the war was a merciless war. It was just terrible. But he said there was a mother that went down to the dock 
to greet her son. There was a ship coming in and it had all the wounded on it. And she watched as those guys uh, wounded walked off the, the boat there and all. And she was watching for her son. And finally, they came with the wheelchairs and they came off. And finally, she spotted her son. And she ran to him immediately. He had a, a blanket covering him up. And, 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 and she cried, son, 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 look at your old mama. And he said, I can't, mama. My eyes are gone. And she said, then son, stand up and just greet your mama. And he said, I can't, mama. My legs are gone. And she knelt down by the chair and said, son, then just put your arms around me, your dear old mother. And he replied, mama, I can't. My arms are gone. And she pitifully cried, my boy, this terrible war, you've lost your eyes, you've lost your hands, you've lost your feet. And the boy said, no, mama, I gave them away. And I got to thinking, sitting in my office, of the young men, 18, 19, 20 years old. Some of them left wives who were pregnant and they never got to see their children. And they gave up their life for the freedom that we have. They gave up their life for the United States of America. And I'm wondering, I'm just, just wondering. I know I'm crazy. Y'all don't think. But I'm just wondering if they came back today. How many of those young men looking at our country today would say, this is not what we fought for. This, this is not what I left my family for and come over here. This is not what I stormed the beaches of Normandy for and gave up my life and, and, and saw others of my friends give up their life. This is not what I fought for. You know, I'd never tell you who to vote for. Never. But I won't tell you. If you'll take those two platforms of the two Democrat-Republican that we have, it won't take a rocket scientist very long to figure out which side of the fence you ought to be on. Because I'm going to tell you something. I got a little granddaughter here and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this country is not a Marxist country. One of the first things we need to realize is we're not a democracy. We're a republic. And there's a lot of people don't understand that. If we were a democracy, we'd be in big trouble because the majority lives on both coasts, and that's where the fruits and nuts live, <laughs> the east and west. And if we were a democracy, I mean, all you got to do is look at the, the colors when they do the elections. This whole country in the middle of it. You know, listen, we got to get back to what God said do. Well, he knows his sheep, number four. <laughs> I know my sheep. He knows her name. Listen, if you're here and you're a child of God and you're discouraged this morning, he knows exactly what you're going through. And he stands there with you to go through it with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. I spoke with a dear lady in the nursing home, and she told me this week, I feel so alone. There's just, I feel, let me tell you, 
that's the time you got to draw on the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is there. He's not going to leave you alone. You're never alone. He knows his sheep. And he judges not by the outward appearance. Oh, hallelujah. How we do that. We judge by the outward appearance. He judges by the heart. This hidden spirits of men. And his sheep have a love for and a disposition for the shepherd. He said, if any man love God, the same is known of him. You see, the good shepherd doesn't judge the sheep by their cry. You can cry all you want to. You can just shed a river full of tears. You can, you can say, hey, this is, you know, this is terrible. I'm crying. Oh, God, help me. That's nothing to God. He's righteous. Justice is not only going to be done, but righteous justice is going to be done. He's the one who said, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we teach in your name? And remember what he says? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. My soul, I would hate to think that someone could sit through a service like this and sense the power of the Holy Spirit and walk out of here and not be saved. Listen, we're talking about eternity. We're not talking about a little Game Boy game. It's going to last 30 minutes or an hour or two days. We're talking about where you're going to spend eternity. <laughs> the fifth thing here I see in this scripture is his sheep know him. <laughs> Verse 14, and am known of mine. It's, 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 it's akin in the Greek to the same kind of relationship that the father has with the son. Father, you and I have that relationship, and, 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 and he wants us to have that same relationship. Remember Jesus all his whole life. He said, I've just come to do what the Father told me to do. I don't have my own agenda. I came to do what the Father said do. That's eternal life. Known of mine. I've used this illustration before. I'll do it one more time. <laughs> when all this smoke clears, it's kind of like me taking little Isabel. She's six years old. And I'm going to cross the craziest intersection there is in Longview. That's 4th Street in the loop if you don't know where that is. <laughs> I mean, there's something when you zone in within about a half a mile of there, it just, you, you tense up and you get a rage. And, uh, you know, and we're going to cross that, that loop there at 4th Street. And she's got my hand and I've got her hand and we're getting across that thing. Let me tell you something. When the smoke clears and we're on the other side, yeah, praise God she had a hold of me. But I want to tell you the most important thing is I had a hold of her. And I want to tell you when all this smoke clears, and you're talking about all you've done for God and all you mean to the kingdom, the most important thing is that his hand has a hold of you because you're going to fall. I don't even know you, but I know you're bad. You're wicked. Your heart is deceitful above all things. I know that. I don't even know you, but I know that. And yet he reaches and gets a hold of us and holds us. Amen. Amen. Then sixth thing, there's only eight, so get, wake up. <laughs> Number six. His sheep are owned by him. 
You see, verse 12 said, He who is a hireling, who's owned the sheep or not. It's, ca it's contrasted here with the one who laid down his life for the sheep. You see, the flock of the Lord has been purchased by his own blood. And Jesus is speaking as he was the good shepherd. He said to Peter, he said, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. You're not your own, you're bought with the price. He leads us beside still water. He knoweth his sheep by name and he continually leads us. And then number seven I see here in this scripture, he cares for his sheep. See, the hireling will flee. A hireling will flee. Now, I, I don't, you know, th this is one of them things I, ha I don't even want to preach, really, to be honest with you. One of my professors at East Texas Baptist years ago, back in the early 70s, he used to say this, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. And we need to understand, you know, as pastors, we, we're not hirelings. You, didn't, you, you ain't paying me. I'm not a hireling to you. Brother Case is not a hireling. He's a God-called man. Now, I've been here going on 17 years. If you haven't figured that out by now, you need to figure that out. When the times get tough, and they're going to get tough, hey, we're living in last days. This dream of things getting better is not going to happen for Christians. It's going to get worse. These are last days, and we've got to be, be focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan finds his greatest enemy in the shepherd of our souls. Boy, we, we've got to be careful. He said, lo, I'm with you always. And then let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. Aren't you thankful this morning that he's still calling sheep? He's still seeking sheep. You came this morning, and you don't have any relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you, I believe right now the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart's door. And I want to tell you, today's the day of salvation. You say, well, I don't want to join this church. I don't care whether you join this church. That's irrelevant. What good would it do to join a Baptist church and still go to hell? You don't need the church. You need Jesus. That's what you need. Now, when you get Jesus, you need a good church. That'll preach the Word of God. That'll sing the Word of God. That'll teach the Word of God. 1861 was the year. It was in Italy. General Garibaldi was going home. He actually later became the Prime Minister of Italy. He was a great general in the Italian army, Sicily. He was going home and he met a shepherd boy who was sitting on the side of the road and he was weeping because he'd lost one of his sheep. The general sent word to all of his officers to get all the men up, get them out there on that hillside. They came with lanterns and, and, and lamps and all of that, looking for that sheep, that one lost sheep. Nobody could find him. A little after midnight, they sent everybody home. He said, we'll look again tomorrow. Everybody can go home. That next morning, the secretary to the general walked in his bedroom. It was unusual. The general got up early, but he was still sawing logs and sound asleep. So he left him alone. He went back out. 30 minutes later, he went back into the room. He's still sound asleep. 30 minutes later, he told the other people, he said, I, I need to go wake him up, shake him. Maybe he's dead. Maybe something's happened to him during the night. 
So he goes in there and he, he shakes the general. And the general begins to stretch, and yawn, and clean his eyes, you know, and kind of open up his eyes and everything. And as he did, a little sheep crawled out from under the cover. And the general said, deliver this to the little boy who lost the sheep. The general had stayed up all night. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus doesn't give up? He is still seeking lost sheep this morning. Maybe this morning you're not lost. Maybe this morning you need a church home. I invite you to come and be a part of Woodland Hills. Maybe this morning you just need to come to this altar. Take your wife, take your children. Maybe come by yourself. Maybe take a friend. You just need to come to this altar. Say, Lord, somewhere in all of this busyness, somewhere in this pandemic, somewhere in all this mess going on, I guess I've forgotten that you're the good shepherd. And I want to line back up with the good shepherd. I want to focus on the good shepherd. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning that you are the good shepherd. We're thankful this morning that you don't give up on us. Lord, we're thankful this morning for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts and that we would not say no, but Lord, I pray this morning that we would say whatever you want us to do, Lord Jesus, we're willing to do it. Even before we know what it is, we're willing to do it. Lord, would you have your way? Oh, God, we need you this morning. We need you. Lord, we need you in our individual lives. We need you in our families. We need you in our schools. We need you in our homes. We need you in our church, Lord Jesus. Oh, we come, God, with brokenness, asking you to do a work, to do a miracle in our church, in our lives. Lord, we love you. Have your way. Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you